Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Marriage Helper does not recommend the drinking of arsenic or other harmful chemicals not intended for consumption. Let's face it, we are sexual beings. I mean, we're made to be sexual beings. There are some people who are asexual, but they're really very rare when it comes to human beings. Well, since we are sexual beings, we talk about having sex in marriage, but we also have to face the fact that we know that most people in America are actually sexually active before they get married. Is that a good thing? A bad thing? Or does it make no difference at all? Let's talk about that. I'm Dr. Joe Beam with Marriage Helper, along with Kimberly Holmes, our CEO and leader. Kimberly, how widespread do you think it is that people are having sex well before they get married? I would say very, very widespread. Mm-hmm. There's actually, we uh, if I had it in front of me, I don't right now, they have a study that was done just a few years ago where by age group, they can tell you what percentage of girls have done what sex acts and what percentage of boys have done what sex acts. And it starts about age 14. And then it goes on from there up to people who are actually in their 80s, what percentage of people are still sexually active. And when you look at statistics like that, and it was a very well done study, you see that most people, whether they're married or not, are having sex. And some people who are married are having sex they shouldn't be having because it's with somebody else. Mm. But let's talk about people out there who are not married right now, who are thinking, Maybe, you know, if I'm going to marry somebody, wouldn't I need to see if we're sexually compatible? What yeah. about that logic? Yeah, it's first of all, it's prevalent. I'm right. I mean, I was hearing just the other day a couple of girls talking about talking about it and talking about how on the third date is kind of when you start having sex. And all I think is, oh, uh, for a lot of personal reasons, because I know how destructive that can be for a future marriage, right? Whether you marry that person or not, maybe even worse, if you don't marry that person, the more sexual partners you have, you're the sexologist, but it has to impact the sexual satisfaction you have in your Mm, marriage. Without a doubt. And that third date thing is actually pretty common. Several years ago, I'm talking about a long time ago now, there was a group of single women here in Nashville, where we are in Nashville, Tennessee, and these were all uh, dedicated church-going Christian young women who were saying that you slept with a guy on the third date. Not Mm -hmm. long after that, our friend Dudley out in Oklahoma, uh, Dudley Chancey, Dr. Chancey, actually did a little survey with some single Christian women, and they said, it's the third date when you finally sleep with another guy. And these were people who had been raised in churches that said that you should be celibate until you marry. And so, yes, it's highly prevalent. Now, Mm -hmm. have we talked about before some of the downsides of what that means? I don't believe that we have. I don't think we've had this conversation before, at least recorded for other people to hear. <laughs> okay. okay, very good. Uh, because of the fact that I have studied sex for many, many years, I am a sexologist. And uh, when Kimberly was still in college, she took one of my human sexuality classes at the university. 
And one day when we were talking about certain parts of the female anatomy, one of the, uh, one of the other young women in the class looked at her and said, is this like freaking you out? To which Kimberly replied, at our home, this is dinner conversation. <laughs> and it was. Always and been open it was. To talk about things like she would bring her friends to me to help them um, with their sexual difficulties, typically at in, in that age, you know, sleeping with somebody that they were feeling guilty about it. So will it affect you? Now, think about it this way. If we start looking at the average number of sex partners, you can find where that is for men in America and around the world. You can find what that is for women. But we're not looking at statistics here. We're looking at, okay, what is the effect? So, Kimberly, once I was on Woody and Jim, one of the most popular radio programs here in Nashville, Tennessee, rock and roll station. And, you know, for a couple of years, I'd go over there once a month and I would take calls on that rock and roll station about relationships. Mm -hmm. And so this one time a lady called in and she said, I'm getting married Saturday. Congratulations. She said, I'm a virgin. Mm, Congratulations. And this was like a Wednesday. She said, so I think what I need to do is to go to a club tonight, pick up a guy and have sex. Because when I get married on Saturday, if I'm still a virgin, that will be the only sex partner I've ever had. And I think I need not to cheat myself like that. Mm -hmm. What would you have said to her? I would have said, beautiful woman, please do not do this to yourself. I mean, at the end of it, it's why would you, well, granted, I've heard you tell this story before, but why would you take that beautiful experience that will just be between you and your husband at this point and bring in another person to make it hazy. You're going to be comparing your spouse at that point to this person thinking about, well, now that I've had two experiences, what would it be like if it was someone else? You just add too much into your mind to wander with when Mm -hmm. you bring more than one sexual partner Mm -hmm. in your life. And that's basically what I said to her. If you wait till Saturday, he's going to be the best lover you've ever had. Mm -hmm. But just suppose that you pick up some guy tonight and he's particularly skilled at it. Then you'll start comparing your husband and it's going to turn out bad. So on another occasion, talk to a young lady who was 26 years old. Um, She had married at 21 and she and her husband had come to one of our workshops because of the fact that their marriage was in big trouble. And during one of the breaks, just the two of us were talking, and I asked her, I said, so what's, what's the main problem in your marriage here? And she said, I'm just sexually bored, and I need to have more sexual excitement. Now, I'm looking at her husband across the room, and he's a good-looking guy, and he's in good physical shape and those kinds of things. And so I said, why is it not giving you what you want? And then I thought, and I asked another question. I said, so tell me when you first became sexually active. She said, at uh, 16. And I said, and when did you marry him? She said, 21. Now, in those five years between the time you became sexually active and the time you married this guy, how many different men were you with? And she said, 60, S-I-X-T-Y, Oh my goodness. 60. And I said, is it any wonder that this guy you find dull and boring because you've been making love to him for five years when in the previous five years you had different Sizes of men, some tall, some short, et cetera. You've had different skill levels of men, et cetera, et cetera. You have conditioned yourself that it should be different over and over and over again, always a new experience. You have actually imprinted that into your brain. And until and unless you can find some way to get past that, there is no one man 
who will ever sexually satisfy you. Because the more partners you have, whether you're male or female, the more partners that you have before you get married, the more that's going to affect your sexual satisfaction level in the marriage. Because you're going to be comparing whether you think you will or not. Right. I'm sitting here thinking about how, first of all, I am I am blessed that I grew up in a home that taught me morals about sex to that's something that happens between a husband and a wife to wait till you're married, all of those things. And so we did right. Like Rob and I are just Rob and I, that's uh, for both of us. That's the only person we've ever had. And I'm so thankful because it's such an intimate and vulnerable thing that if I thought that I was being compared with him, with someone else, like that would be difficult. And then same on the other way around. But I'm also well aware that this is not what all parents teach their kids. No. And also, it's a cultural belief that sex makes you happy, so you should just have sex with whoever, when you want to, all of those things. And so what you and I are saying, well, I don't know if we've explicitly said it yet, but we believe sex should be something that happens within a marriage, right, between those two people. Um but that goes against everything that culture yes. is saying. But we've talked about love on previous programs. And according to Sternberg's research, love has three basic components. One is intimacy, intimacy, where you can be open and transparent and vulnerable. You build that trust. Another is passion, which has a sexual component, but it's basically about a craving for oneness. And then there's commitment, which is almost a daily decision that I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep this relationship alive. Now, that's what love is. Now, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, but I personally see human beings as being triune, triune, <laughs> that there's basically three parts of us. And you say, what, what do you mean? Well, there's the physical part of us, you understand. And then there's the logical part of us. And then there's the emotional part of us. You say logic and emotions are not the same thing. <laughs> no, no, they really are. One can be analytical. The other is goes primarily off what you're feeling at the moment. And if you want to look in a spiritual kind of way, we're triune being in the sense that not only do we have a body, but we also have a spirit and a soul. And you look at those things and say, so what's your point? If you really have sex in the way it was designed to be fulfilled, it's not just to make a baby, although that's the way we're designed. We are designed that sex makes babies. I mean, that's that's the way we're put together. But in the way that it was designed to be, and, and I'll just refer to my religion for a minute, where he talked about that Adam knew his wife, Eve. That's back in our book of Genesis. And other parts in my Bible, it will talk about knowing your wife, becoming one with your wife or your husband. I even wrote a book called Becoming One about that. It's not just having two bodies joined together, but two hearts two minds, two, two souls joining together. And you can't do that with a lot of different people. So your sister, Joanna, went with me once when I spoke at a youth thing. Oh, this was a hundred years ago over in Washington state. And so we went to this thing and I was speaking to all these teenagers and Joanna had flown out there with me and the youth ministers um, and youth ministers can be actually tough. They had gotten this uh, this gray duct tape. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? This duct tape. And they got three boys up on the stage that had hairy arms. And they put that duct tape around the first boy's arm. And they said, that's what it's like when you become one. So what is it like when you lose that? And they ripped 
that off that boy. He screamed. And and they hold up this thing and little hairs are hanging off of it. So they had to catch the second boy. <laughs> and then they finally put it around him. And he didn't hurt much at all. And they couldn't make it stick on the third boy. Oh, because they used the same piece same of duct tape. Piece. And they said, you can't be one with everybody. Mm. And I thought, you know, kind of tough on the boys for the illustration, but it makes sense. If sex is just sex, you're missing out on a lot. I mean, a whole lot. If it's really two people joining themselves together as one, where it's an emotional experience, a spiritual experience, a mental experience, then it's as it was designed to be. So what do you say to people who say, but it's my right? It is their right. They can do what they wish to do. But it's also their right to uh, drink a gallon of arsenic if that's what they want to do. <laughs> I mean, you look at people and go, it's my right. Yeah, you have a right to do all kinds of stuff. But is that going to be wise? Right. Is that going to be smart? Basically, what it boils down to is, what do you want? Mm. What do you really want? Well, if you want to live, you won't drink the, ar- uh, the ar- arsenic. If you, if you want a deeply meaningful relationship that's beyond what just sex can do, then we'd say don't have sex until you're married. If you've already been having sex, stop. Do it with a person that you can commit to completely because that's then where you will have what you're looking for. Now, if you're just looking for a physical sexual thrill, it's easy to find, but you're really, really missing out. What do you say to the people who are engaged so mm-hmm. they know they're going to be married they know this is the person i'm going to be with what's the harm in having sex before marriage i think part of it and this is going to be a silly illustration it's kind of like christmas it's like i know what's coming i'm looking forward to it and it actually builds my excitement that i'm waiting for the day when that can happen mm-hmm. this is this is a question a little bit out of left field but Do you think that in the Christian community, the age tends to skew a little younger for getting married? Do you think that is because more of them are more likely to wait until marriage, therefore they get married younger in order to be able to have sex? That's possible. That is possible. I don't don't know any statistics on that. Um, They probably exist. I just don't know what they are. I do know that the more conservative your religion, Mm -hmm. the less likely you are to have sex before marriage. But if if somebody was getting married just so they could finally have sex, I'd be saying, that's probably not going to give you what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. You want a person that you can unite with body, mind, heart, and soul. Mm -hmm. And so don't get married just to have sex. Make sure that, that you can put all that together. Now, if you can't control your sex drive, then maybe go ahead and get married. That's what 1 Corinthians 7 says. But otherwise, what you're looking for is the person you can be one with for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to parents that are listening to this podcast? So many of our listeners may already be married. This doesn't necessarily apply to them, but it probably applies to their kids. How would you encourage them to talk about these concepts with their kids? Well, locking them in their bedroom till they're 21 is not the best idea. Okay. It actually has to do with conversation. Things are more, well, let me just use the word tempting. Things are more tempting when you don't know much about it. 
Like I just got kind of an idea of what that would be like. Because when a kid starts going through puberty, male or female, they start feeling some of these sexual drives and urges and boys start noticing girls and girls start noticing boys. And, and they start feeling emotions when they feel all those things. And, and they're being prepared to be sexual people. The best thing to do is to talk openly about that. I mean, make it where it's not going to be evil and dirty, but you use the right anatomical terms and, and you make it where that your children can feel comfortable asking you anything. And the way that you build that is that early on, you are very frank and open with them, not crude, not rude. You're not using street language. That's bad. But, but helping them know, hey, we can talk about these things. That's what we did with you. Mm-hmm. And and you and Rob, I remember when you went to get your exam before you got married, you got mad at the doctor. Remember that? <laughs> yes, but why do you, what do you remember you about it? You told me because of the fact that he asked you guys how, how long you'd been having That's sex already. Right. I was thinking of a different exam. Yes, that, that is exactly what he said. And I said, we have not. It infuriated you that it he did infuriate me. But that's what he expected to say. That is what he expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So key takeaways from this episode would be that we encourage sex to occur within marriage because that is where it's supposed to be. That's where the trust, the vulnerability, the intimacy, the commitment is there in order it for it to be a part of the bigger part of marriage, which is building love, building passion, intimacy, commitment, all of those things. And so if you have been being sexually active outside of marriage, then change your behavior. Stop. Save that for when you get married. Or if you have someone that you love, a family member, a kid that's going through this, talk openly about the benefits of sex inside of marriage and why it's important to wait. And it's not just because it's about waiting. It's about because of because of what sex between just a husband and a wife is so good for why Mm -hmm. it is so good. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything to add? Sometimes people have said this, but, but uh, if, if you don't have sexually get married, how do you know you're going to be compatible? Mm. It's the same thing we talked about earlier as with parents, you talk about it openly before you get married. So you can know where each person's coming from, what they think, what they believe, what they feel. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Sexologist, Dr. Joe Beam, also my father, which has been very fun growing up with. Great conversation, great episode. Please like the podcast. Please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. And we love those five-star reviews. Share this with a friend. That's a great way to get the podcast out there and to help it grow in its impact. And if you're watching on YouTube, then please be sure that you like this video and subscribe to the Marriage Helper YouTube channel. That can help us find even more people on YouTube to help as well. We'll see you next week. 